This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Okay, Top Tribe, this week's winner of the 100 bucks that I give away every Monday is Kim Dust. She's in the entertainment industry and is currently working a full-time day job and doing her side hustle on the side. Kim, congrats. For you guys' chance to win 100 bucks every Monday, simply subscribe to the podcast on iTunes now and then text the word Nathan to 33444 to officially enter. Again, text the word Nathan to 33444 after you subscribe. Guys, if you want an easy tool to use to book your meetings back to back, to batch your calls, to make sure people actually show up when they schedule, you want to use Acuity Scheduling. It's what I use for all my podcast interviews at NathanLatka.com forward slash schedule. I'll tell you more about how I use it later on in the episode. Nathan Latka here. This is episode 467. Coming up tomorrow morning, you're going to learn from Craig Ballantine. They did $6 million in 2015 revenue with his health and wellness info product. Top Tribe, good morning. Our guest this morning is Ben Nye. He joined Bain Capital Partners in 2004 and leads their infrastructure software team. But more importantly, and really where his mind is focused, is on his company, Turbonomic, which we're going to focus on today. Ben, are you ready to take us to the top? Uh, absolutely. Thank All you. Right. You're, yes. Thank, hey, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. So tell us first, uh, tell us first, what was first, Bain Capital or Turbonomic? Uh, well, actually, so I joined Bain and uh, Bain Capital has been around for about 30 years, but I joined Bain in uh, 04 and built out the uh, infrastructure software practice. Um, and then uh, we actually capitalized Turbonomic as an investor um, together with a, an awesome uh, founder named Shmuel Klieger uh, back in 09 and first delivery of product in GA in 2010. And then I joined the company uh, full-time in um, 2013. And so walk us, so, well, first off, tell us about the kind of the funding history there. What is, just for people looking to raise capital right now, what does Bain Capital look for when they're, you guys are making investments? Sure. Um, principally oriented around uh, business to business. Uh, so, and very much of a sector focus. So we're looking for, um, we're almost stage agnostic. We do early, middle and late stage, but we like to uh, have what we call a prepared mind, meaning, you know, really understanding a domain and therefore can evaluate uh, through that lens, the uh, disruptiveness uh, of an idea and an entrepreneur's capabilities within that domain. So I would say it's very much of a sector focused fund. And, uh, and then we cover multiple sectors that range from uh, healthcare uh, services to, and business services, data services, to uh, marketing automation technologies, and then obviously the uh, infrastructure uh, software group. Great. And and let's now kind of shift over to Turbonomic. So you guys led around. Did you get into Turbonomic? Was it Series B or did you get in earlier? No, no. The original uh, first round of funding. Was, oh, you were? Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. So how much capital total have you guys put in the company to date? Uh, on behalf of Bain, I think we're in roughly the young 20s. Millions. Young 20s. Yeah. And total raise is Crunchbase right and saying 60 million? Uh, I think it's just slightly ahead of that, but yeah, okay. roughly. Great. That's great. So walk us through the, the decision you made. I, I assume you were the lead investor at Bain for Turbonomic. 
Uh, yes, I was. I've been since uh, the very get go. So how did you decide? How did you make the decision to? I mean, there's probably some complicated stuff here. One, what happened to the past CEO? I'm sure there was a good discussion there, and there was a lesson in there. And then why did you decide to jump in full time as CEO? Um, okay, well, a couple things. One is. Um, uh, there's actually been three CEOs. The founder was the first CEO, and then we hired a uh, career CEO. Um, there was a point at which the company was outgrowing him. And uh, Eric, and what so is, sorry, Ben, what does that mean when you say career CEO? Meaning uh, uh, for hire CEO, non-founder CEO. Yep. Yep. Came came from a strategic partner. In Perfect. this case, I think it was Citrix. Okay, and um, and so they got to a point where they said, okay, now uh, we need to really step up the execution. There were some issues between the um, the founder and the um, CEO hire, mm-hmm. and um, and so that's that was the time when the board made its decision and asked me to step in on an interim basis, which I had agreed to, um, partly because of my history with the company going all the way back to the conceptualization of it, and um, and funding of it. And then also, uh, just because, you know, somebody had to do it. And, um, and what happened was, you know, you, you fall in love in these things and this is such a big idea and such a great company. I ultimately decided it was important to, uh, to run it. Yep. Well, and, and I mean, part of that, part of that transition period, uh, I imagine it it can just be tricky. I mean, there's a lot of the, a lot of the equity, uh, this you're a little later stage, I think than what most of my listeners are going to be, but we typically have a situation where listeners are going, Nathan, we have, uh, founders that we found the company with that we thought were going to be great fits. We gave them a bunch of equity. Even if there was a cliff and investing schedule, there's now unallocated or unactive equity on the cap table. Um, do you guys do anything at Turbonomic to manage that? Obviously keep private stuff private, but do you do anything to manage that? And if so, how do you think about it? Um, well, so yeah, there's there's uh, obviously in in the most obvious case, the there's a typically a one year cliff fest on on anybody that's hired into the company. So make sure that you're you're hiring well. Um, but to the extent, you know, inevitably there'll be churn as you build the life of a company. Uh, there will be some uh, passive equity in that company. Um, I think the biggest thing we do is try and keep, you know, those who are super talented, you know, focused in building uh, the value of the company and knowing that that, that equity value uh, will be best served and, and will grow the fastest by virtue of their continued uh, commitment to the company. Um, but from time to time, uh, the company has uh, retired uh, passive shares. And, um, and there's typically a thing called an investor rights agreement that governs the way in which that is executed. And, um, and indeed we've done that as well, just to keep, uh, more equity and more active hands. Yeah. So does that mean at a high level, Ben, are you buying back some of that equity if people are leaving the company or not typically? Uh, we, it's a voluntary choice, but we have, we have done that in the past when people have wanted to sell, because I think we're big believers in, um, in the prospects of the company. I love that. Okay. Let's shift to the market now. So, so Turbonomic, if you had to describe in, you know, two sentences, what it does and how you make money, how'd you describe it? Sure. Um, well, what it does is no less than it's we're the control system, real time and autonomic, meaning self-managing, self-organizing control system for the hybrid cloud. So if you think about, um, you know, a lot of workloads, there's 194 million workloads in 2016 um, between that which run on prem or premises and that which runs in the public cloud. And we have the capability to uh, provide enhanced performance and also greater operating and capital efficiencies in both realms. 
as well as the ability to traverse the two realms and bring them into one. So it's a really big opportunity in terms of uh, uh, where those um, uh, where the market's headed. And what is the tell us how you make money? So how are people typically paying you? Is it based? You know, usually there's a usage metric that drives up pricing. Is it number of you know workload, is it storage, <laughs> users, team features? What is it? Yeah, so we actually let the um, for the the uh, these two sort of um, uh, uh, sectors, the on-prem and the off, are actually very dissimilar in, in how they've evolved. So the first one was more of a infrastructure and hardware-centric sale around a, uh, what's called per socket and per core based pricing, uh, and then when you go to the off-premises world, the public cloud, what's interesting there is uh, you don't have exposure to see the or count the sockets, right? So uh, so you virtualize, you, you basically work it on virtualized or containerized workloads. And is that so, I mean, is this a SaaS company, would you say, or is it more of a usage-based kind of pricing model? Well, so we are not a SaaS company. We do, we do enable people to... Um, purchase on a term basis. So a lot of the uh, alignment with business practices would be, or business models would be for service providers and others, a, a term-based approach. But many people uh, early on in particular uh, requested and wanted to buy it on a perpetual basis. So we've, we've actually um, accommodated the customer's um, request in terms of how to acquire the software. Um, in whatever fashion they liked. What does that mean, Ben? If I say, hey, I love Turbomonomics so much, I want to buy on a perpetual basis. You say, okay, pay us a million dollars and you can use it for life? No, it would be, we'd, we'd size the environment based on the on the sockets and core count. And then, um, then yes, then you would buy it to cover as much of that environment as you, uh, as you want. Uh, if they grow usage though, do they get, I mean, are you leaving money on the table or do they pay more if they, if they increase usage? No, I think we're, we're look, 91% of our customers have a three month full payback. So uh, by definition, we've, you know, even with the price increases of the last four years, uh, we certainly feel that we've offered a huge consumer surplus uh, to our customers. Um, it really comes from modernizing how they run their environment. So maybe I should just spend a second on that if sure. that's okay. Yeah, go okay. ahead. So think about this. The, the world of IT management for five decades has always been about um, an allocation-based model. All right. So you tell me you're going to build a new application. How are you going to size it? And they guess. And they might say they're talking a line of business, whatever, but ultimately it comes down to an allocation or otherwise known as a guess. Well, if you can't size it, then how do we know where to place it? Same thing. It's a guess on a guess. And then you get into how do you manage VM or sprawl, VM sprawl and how do you manage uh, your clusters? And, and we, we continue to build hedges into this because we don't understand or have any real-time capabilities around the demand or the consumption side of a VM or a container. And so what we're doing is we're bringing the demand management side all in real time and all autonomically, again, which means self-managing, self-organizing applications, whereby when they uh, demand on those applications increases, we provide them more resources. Yep. And literally, the application workloads are making the decisions about what infrastructure resources on which they should run themselves, when they start themselves, stop themselves, move themselves, place themselves, clone themselves, et cetera. And it's really wild. This is the ultimate in artificial intelligence. Yeah. I mean, it's a hot space that you're in when you combine kind of AI plus cloud. I mean, it's a, that's probably, I mean, that's actually a question I had for you guys. At Bain, do you look at a market sector, then research every company and then pick who you think is going to win it and then go all in? Is that how you typically do deal flow? Yeah. As a matter of fact, in this example, um, there was uh, not only have we spent 
our our working life in uh, in this sector. Um, but we looked at a ton of startups and found that every one of them was competing against a 999 pound gorilla in VMware. And we said, look, they're going to die. So what we did is I actually went to go see this fellow, the founder, Shmuel Klieger. And I said, look, I remember your old company from the, the one that EMC had bought called System Management Arts or Smarts. And I said, why don't we take the same conceptualization and apply it to a new market? Mm-hmm. And from the ground up, he built uh, just a phenomenal technology um, that was addressed uh, for uh, virtualization and now uh, containers and clouds. But um, but it was absolutely the realization that we couldn't fund any of the ones. Here was this big wave, tidal wave of growth coming into the an important part of the market in which we uh, invest. But there was there was nobody that we thought uh, had the capability. And just to make the case, um, roll the tape forward, and every one of those players that we looked at has either been acquired or gone. Yeah. And how did you know VMware was dying? I mean, uh, many people no, no. say it's obvious, but you said you knew it was going to disappear. What, what do you mean by that? No, no, I'm sorry. Uh, the startups competing with with their prominence in the market and they were the oh. 999 pound gorilla. No, quite the reverse. They're they're not going to die. I think their growth rate is going to continue to slow, but I don't think they're going to die. They've got a huge amount of cash that they generate. Yep. And it makes a lot of sense. Hey, before we get to the final part of the show, Ben, give us a sense kind of of size. How many unique customers are you guys serving at Turbonomic? Yeah, so we're just a hair shy of 1,600 CIOs who invested in Turbonomic. Uh, again, real-time autonomic uh, control. Um, and the company is over 400 people. We've had 24 consecutive quarters of record revenue, which is pretty exciting. And by the way, the last two, based on audited numbers, have been back-to-back years on the Inc. 500. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations. That's exciting. You know, it's easy to go from $1 to $2 and call it big growth. But when you're going from, you know, $100 million to $200 million, that's a whole different story, right? <laughs> it's a very exciting time. So I tell you, the numbers keep going up and we keep working harder. Eric, can you quantify though? I mean, people are going to naturally be wondering, Nathan, you got to ask them what the actual revenue is. I don't know if you're going to share that or not, but what is like a goal that you have maybe for, for 2016 in terms of revenue or revenue growth, if you want to put in percentages? Uh, on a percentage basis, we certainly uh, will be high double digits. Uh, you know, if you look at us over the, well, since inception, when we put a product out um, in, uh, First, in 2010, uh, the compound annual growth rate is certainly uh, three digits. Got so, uh, you know, when you get to the law of large numbers, things do, you know, it's harder to comp, to your point earlier, it's harder to comp uh, at the same rate of growth, but it's certainly uh, been a, a really stunning pace. Totally. And it looks like back in January 2015, I think that was right, that you guys did somewhere around a $50 million Series D. Is that right? Uh, yeah, we, we actually closed that in November of uh, 14 and then announced it later. Yeah. Got it. So is it fair? I, I'm just doing basic back of the napkin math here about what people typically give up equity wise in a Series D. I mean, is it fair to say from a revenue perspective, you guys are way above 100 million bucks in annual revenue? Uh no, I, I we really weren't going to comment about our revenue number. But um, what I would say is we certainly... Uh, um, how can I help you on this one? Hey, let me ask it differently. Um, let me ask it differently, Ben, so you don't so you don't so you don't get yourself in trouble with your board. Um, what what is someone listening right now thinking about is something other than a Series A or Series B? So Series C or Series D? Should they be thinking about it in terms of how much of the business they want to give up? Should they be thinking about it in terms of uh, just the amount of money and extending burn and runway? How should they be thinking about those later stage rounds? It's where we get someone that's already done a Series D on the show. 
Okay. Um, well, what I would share with you is this. A lot depends on the nature of your um, company. So in our case, this is an intellectual property uh, strategy company. So the, the strength of the IP, the differentiation matters. And then you want the traction to support that the market is rewarding you for that. There are other companies that are pure business model companies. I don't think they have the sustainability and the worry you have there is ankle biters coming up through the ground. Think of you know Uber and Lyft as an example. Great company in Uber, but, but clearly got competitors uh, globally. And, and it's more of a business model and execution machine, right? Yep. So, um, so ours, is, I think we have um, a particularly strong uh, intellectual property and a cadence of 24 consecutive quarters of growth, which um, uh, supports the need in the marketplace for this. And you know, with 1,600 customer uh, CIOs buying into this idea, it's it's. Uh, I think this will be the future of how all data centers and hopefully clouds are run. Ben, people are going to be watching Turbonomic closely as you continue to drive growth. Where's the best place for them to connect with you online? Online, I would come to our website because we we have a policy of transparency and really do post an enormous amount of uh, information. And those who are particularly interested or practitioners should join our community called the Green Circle, which is when you have no red and yellow alerts in your data center, it's all green. But in there, you can ask questions directly of customers. You can uh, talk to our partners. Um, you can get a sense on how people are deploying it and, um, and ways to apply real-time autonomic control to your operations so you get the benefits of 37% on average application acceleration, 20% OPEX savings, and literally up to half your data center back. All right, guys, I talked about this earlier, but I schedule like so many meetings, it would blow your mind. I mean, all my podcast interviews, right? Hundreds of entrepreneurs I talk to monthly, I schedule, and you know what? I do it so efficiently. I get them all to agree to my calendar. So all the calls are back to back to back. That means I'm not switching in between tasks all day long. I get them to batch so that I can be very efficient. It's so critical. And I use a tool called Acuity Scheduling to do this at nathanlacka.com forward slash schedule. It eliminates back and forth between me and people I'm trying to meet with. It makes it very simple. And most importantly, they help me keep my no-show rate very low because they send out reminders. Helps you look very professional. So go to nathanlacka.com forward slash schedule to sign up and you get a great deal you know you guys know this i hit people hard i make great deals and gavin the ceo has given us a great deal if you sign up like normal people okay on their website you only get a 14-day free trial if you use my link nathanlacka.com forward slash schedule you get 45 days free okay it's the best it's free go to nathanlacka.com forward slash schedule right now to sign up and i'll see you there Top Tribe, there you have it. We'll link to that in the show notes at nathanlatka.com forward slash the top four, six, seven. Again, forward slash the top four, six, seven. Ben, we're going to wrap up with five very quick one word answer questions. You ready? Okay. Number one, fam uh, favorite business book? Steve Jobs book. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Jeff Bezos Number and, under him, and under him, Andy Jassy. I, I, it's two, <laughs> two, but yeah. I, I, so many people were shocked when they took their cloud computing out because, you know, they're not a pure place. So that it was secret when they when they put those numbers out. It was just unbelievable. Some of the metrics they're driving. Agreed. All right. Number three, what's your favorite online tool like HostGator? You know, LinkedIn, I was an investor in it and a big user of it. Number four, yes or no. You're again, all in on the startup. You're also at Bain. Are you getting eight hours of sleep every night? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> and what's your la, la, kind of give me your situational here? Are married, single? Do you have kids? Uh, married, four kids. Holy mackerel. So you got a startup and four kids. And how old are you, Ben? 51. All right. So it's the last question. Take us back 31 years. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? 
Oh, not a question. I wish I knew about the power of equity. (laughs) Top drive. There you have it. Focus on the power of equity from Ben, who is active at Bain Capital. He's a lot of deal flow, has had many successful and been part of many successful uh, seven and eight figure and nine figure even exits. Now growing Turbonomic with over 1600 CIOs actively using them. Ben, thanks for taking us to the top. Very much appreciate. Thank you. If you enjoyed Ben today, go back to listen to Greg yesterday. Greg's agency lost money in 2015, but did 500000 so far in 2016. Now he's back in the black, helping companies market online. Okay, Top Tribe, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. And don't forget, before you listen to any other episodes, subscribe on iTunes right now for your chance to win 100 bucks every Monday. 